Wow. Was that ever a resignation? I, I've never seen anything like that in Canadian politics. Enemy Paul taking the stand yesterday uh, with a statement to the press, took no questions, stepped down as the leader of the Green Party and just dropped some huge bombs, including this one. Uh, what people need to, to realize is that uh, when I was elected uh, and put in this role, I was um, breaking a glass ceiling. Um, what I didn't realize at the time is that I was breaking a glass ceiling that was going to fall on my head and leave a lot of shards of glass that I was going to have to crawl over, um, you know, throughout my time as a leader. That is an evocative statement, a damning statement. Uh, and from Toronto today, this morning with Greg Brady and Sheba Siddiqui, this is Erica F. Eiffel, who is a black woman and a columnist with the Hill Times with her take. They didn't want her there. They brought her in. Because this is what organizations do. They bring black women in to prove their diversity, use them for window dressing, don't support them. Mm. Then when black women point out problems, then all of a sudden we become the enemy. And then we're pushed out because we're, quote, Mm. not the right fit. What does it all mean for the future of the Green Party going forward as that party looks to possibly try and rebuild the popular vote that it enjoyed in this most recent election, less than half of what it had back in 2019. Jamie Ellerton is a principal at Conopus uh, Limited. Pardon me as I keep stumbling over the name of your company, Paul. Apologies, Jamie. Welcome back to the program. Thanks, Alan. It's Canaptus. <laughs> uh, it, let, me, let me ask you this. What do you think the future is for that party? I think it's uh, difficult. I think if you look at what has gone on with the Green Party, uh, I think what Elizabeth May did was kind of the high water mark. And I think that's because Elizabeth May, say what you will of her politics and her tactics, she is a political tour to force. If you look at what Annamie Paul did, uh, it's hard to hear anyone say anything positive about her leadership unless they're expressing empathy for what she went through, which it's all fine and great to have empathy and be a nice person, but... Uh, that's not going to win you elections. And so I think for the Green Party going forward, they have to do some soul searching and ask, why do they even exist? Every major party recognizes that climate change is something we have to do something about. If you want a more market-based solution to climate change, uh, you can join the Liberal Party or the Conservative Party and help grow its burgeoning climate policy. Uh, If you want a more state interventionist role in climate policy, you can join the left flank of the Liberal Party or go join the NDP and make them more relevant and effective. The Green Party essentially in its current iteration exists as a kind of band of misfits who uh, catch a protest vote on an election by election basis but have no real purpose other than that. Right. So you would perceive the 2019 higher watermark in terms of vote as a protest vote and that that much of that protest vote maybe ended up in PPC or other parties? Yeah, I think if you look at where the Greens have won, they have generally offered a loosely progressive version of politics. And in 2019, when they won, there were a lot of people who were dissatisfied with Justin Trudeau's gap between what he says he wants to do and his inability uh, to deliver uh, or not deliver fast enough for people's satisfaction. And so you have concentrated areas where the Greens did well. But as a political strategist, like anyone from any party would have told you that Annamie Paul had no hope in winning Toronto Centre, given the current dynamics of what's gone on in that riding, where she ended up running not just in the by-election, but again in this general election, 
And so it's just a total head scratcher. Again, nice woman. People want to provide empathy for what she's gone through in just the horrible state. Uh, it's quite common when a new leader of a political party is elected, they not only kind of reconcile internal differences after a divisive leadership process, but they also install their own people into key positions to consolidate their power so they actually have a chance to lead. And it doesn't appear that she ever did that when she, after she won. Well, just just on that note, here is, uh, here's what she had to say about what opportunity she had to actually lead. I don't have any regrets about having gone through uh, the election, uh, but I do have to recognize uh, that it is quite clear to me that I am not going to have the opportunity to lead. I have not been given that opportunity and I will not be given that opportunity. Uh, I just will not spend any more time uh, focused on political games as opposed to uh, public policy, which is what I entered politics for in the first place. So I, I, coming back to that, was it just the party structure that just was dead set against her leadership and never truly believed in her? I think that's part of it. I think part of it is also we don't actually talk enough in public life uh, as it relates to politics about the skills it actually takes to get stuff done. You see campaigns it's often designed to connect with people on an emotional level, align on values and kind of get, yeah, feel good about that candidate. Or you go the other way and you run on fear to demonize your opponent and capture the votes. You've seen the liberals do that in their two re-election campaigns, both in 2019 and in 2021. But as an operator, you need to know the levers of power that exist within your party process and know how to use the process, know how to work the process to get the outcome you want. That's nothing's a foregone conclusion in politics. But if you wanted to run for leadership, let's say, of the Conservative Party today, you know that there are going to be thousands of members in Alberta ridings and hundreds of members in some Eastern Canadian ridings. And so you're going to put more effort in swaying hundreds of people because you get more point share in that process than you would trying to appeal to thousands for a diminishing return in terms of the point system. And so how you're as a Green Party leader not going to be in the House of Commons when she won, uh, why didn't she ask Elizabeth May to step down and let her run in that seat to give her a seat in the House of Commons? Uh, you look at what went on in New Brunswick prior to Je- Jessica Atwin crossing the floor and becoming a liberal. She could have done it there. The Greens actually kind of go- counter their broader national trend, actually elected a Green MP in Kitchener Centre uh, this time around while losing another seat on the on the island. So for the Green Party going forward, uh, why do they exist is the first question. But if you're going to be a leader, it's not enough just to have this kind of vision and this campaign and think you're going to be great and people are going to see it after you kind of market that in the campaign period. You need a plan for what you're going to do after you've actually won and to surround yourself with people who know the system inside and out, be that parliament or even your internal party apparatus as it relates to the Green Party to consolidate your power and give you a fighting chance to build and ultimately succeed. All right, Jamie, thank you. I appreciate that so much. That's Jamie Ellerton, Global News Radio.